and then going and living in poverty for the next five years. Praise <laughs> <laughs> God. That is false news. That is fake. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the second episode of Next Stop Africa. I am your gracious host, Amy Kikoma. I am Congolese. I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Christina. Hey, uh, she's Nigerian and she's Yerba. You know the yeah. vibes, you know the vibes. But yeah, before we get into uh, this episode, um, I, I just want to take some time out and thank everybody that, that shared and listened to our first episode. <clears throat> uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, so keep running them numbers up. But um. Today we got some very, very special guests in the house. Uh, we got Benita. Uh, she's from Rwanda. I don't know what tribe she's from. Uh, we got Ami. She's Malian and Ivoyan. I don't know what tribe she's from either. Centerfall. <laughs> I'm from Sigaso, so Centerfall, yeah. Okay. Yeah, what she said. I can't repeat that. And then <laughs> and we have Philomena. She's from Ghana. So I appreciate you guys being here today. I know taking the time out on Christmas Eve to be with your families and stuff like that. So first of all, uh, Merry Christmas for those who celebrate it. Uh, happy holidays. So with that being said, let's just let's jump right into it. I don't know if you guys listened to the first episode. In the first episode, we kind of talked about perception of Africa, how people viewed you coming from Africa to the States. Uh, but I made a mistake and I had a all-male cast. And uh, a lot of the reviews we got back was what happened to the women. So <laughs> it was unintentional and I apologize. So basically I just, I brought you guys here to kind of ask you guys, what will you guys say was like the perception that people had of you come, come into the States from your respective countries? Don't all go at once now. <laughs> <laughs> just who goes first? I mean, it doesn't, I mean, whoever was doing, should I, okay. So I'll talk about me. I'll talk about me. When I first came here, I did get just like the, or like the ignorant, ignorant comments that people usually get, you know, the, did you get here by boat? The, do you guys hunt for food? Do you live in mud huts? You know, the African booty scratcher, all that, you feel me? All the stuff that people usually say yeah. just to like make you feel shitty about being African, trying to make you feel little, trying to make you feel like the least important person in the room. I know personally that, that affected me. That really affected me badly, like growing up, like, it kind of shows as an adult today, because I give an example like um, like my name, like a lot of times when we have to introduce ourselves, I had to, I had to use my uh my American name, which is Amy, and that, that really uh, <laughs> you know I got I got laughed at a lot. Like every time, every time you have to introduce yourself, to like hi, my name is Amy, and of course, there's only one person that's. I was gonna want to make that joke so the whole class could laugh like that's a girl's name ha 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 now everybody's laughing and now you're just standing there like damn you know I mean? so, so how about now realize your actual name how do you say your first name i mean no it's it's hard because like i think <laughs> i think that that bothers me because it's like if you can't say it oh. right at this point it's like you might as well just say just say amy because if you no, can't get you it right say it though, at all if you exactly. can't say my name right, don't say my name at all. Exactly, yeah. But <laughs> that's true. You know, if it's not worth saying to you, then it's not worth me, you know, responding to you. But that's true. Emmy, your name is not really that high. Your name is yeah, not but really that high. For people <laughs> but, that don't want to know it is. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So um for the people who don't know, Emmy is Emma. Simple <laughs> as that. <laughs> Please put some respect. On this name, I agree. Yeah, because they, they can pronounce like Solowski or Trelawski, <laughs> all those companies. <laughs> our name, <laughs> something like that. It should be no problem. Yeah, but I don't know. I feel like because of stuff like that, like I've noticed, like I hate public speaking because of stuff like that. Like that, Ooh, yeah. yeah. That's so that had a negative effect on me because I feel like every time I stand in front yeah. of a room, like I just, I just feel that trauma. It's like it just, it just comes back. I don't know where, like, but I, I feel like I've kind of grown out of it a little bit, you know, now that mm-hmm. I'm older, I've gotten a little bit comfortable with it, but it's definitely still there. Like, I definitely still see it. I just noticed it now, like, that's after learning about, like, all this, like, trauma and anxiety and stuff people face, like, during your childhood and how it shaped you. But so that was kind of, like, my experience that so I wanted to ask you guys as, you know, women, black women, African women, Muslim women, like, how, what did you guys face? Like, like, how, how were you guys viewed, how, you know? What did you guys encounter? Okay, so I'll start. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so for me, 
since I, unfortunately, since I was, you know, um, I continue, I came back when I was like eight. So third grade, yeah. So when I came back here and me and my family, we stayed here in in, in New York. Well, I'm not in New York, but when we stayed in New York, and I grew up there and I did a lot of schooling. I always got bullied since from young age all the way up to high school. I was bullied by Black Americans just because I was African. They didn't like my, my full name. They didn't like anything about my features. I, anytime like I had to raise a hand to answer questions, I would get laughed at. So whenever mm-hmm. I, my name is Aminata, they laughed. So then I began to hate myself and I started to hate my name because everybody would put me down because of that. So every time when I meet somebody, I say, oh, my name is is Amy or Ami. You know, I always try to Americanize it or change it. Just yeah. So comfortable. And I think every, all of that changed when I went to high school. You know, I don't know. I went to I think I went to a pretty good school because they talk about a lot of African history. And, and especially my father, like he was, you know, very, very, you know, educated from coming from like Cote d'Ivoire and then going to school like in France. And then he came here. So he always taught me and my sisters, including my little brother, like no matter what the, you know, what people say about you or how they think, you need to love yourself and know that you are important. You know, always appreciate who you are because they make fun of you, but you got to think about it. Black Americans really don't know themselves. He said they don't really know where they come from. So when they see somebody else who speak another language, who has mm-hmm. culture, who know where they're from, they don't like that. So they put you down because unfortunately, you know, that was stolen from them and they don't, whether they realize it or not. So I think after, you know, I started to educate myself, I do more, I started to study more of Black history too. So my dad, you know, he learned, he knew a lot of like Black people in America who did a lot of good yeah. things. And then he also made me, me and my sister watched the Malcolm X movie. The ever, oh, since, that's ever since Malcolm <laughs> X, I said, eh, Allah. like this now, I don't even care what anybody think about me because I know I'm worthy. I know I'm the best. They know that. That's why they always try to put us down. You know, because even yeah. in college, I come across people like, oh, like, you know, she's too dark or nobody will talk to me because I'm black or they stay away from me. And I didn't care because I'm like, you were the one uncomfortable and you don't you the one that have an issue. It's not me. So yeah. I think because I spent so many years at a young age experiencing so much discrimination, especially from people who look like me. I just, you know, I just always think about the lack of education because I realize knowledge is so important. But if you educate yourself, then that will make a big difference. But that was that's my experience, just nonstop. And since third grade and then so on, just constantly being bullied because of my name or because I was African. I just never spoke. Like, I did good in school. I did my homework. I do tests. But I just yeah. didn't really interact with people because I was just so ashamed of who I was because people put me down because of that. That's a really, like, really relatable. Like, it resonates among, like, African uh, children who were, who were grown, who got to be grown in America, especially yeah. if you have an accent. Mm-hmm. Um, mind you, like, the majority of us, uh, even though we speak English, um, each person, depending on the country you're from, you have a different accent, right? Yes. But mm-hmm. regardless, they're going to know you're African based okay. on your, uh, your accent. And most of our African children end up avoiding um, public speaking until like they're a little bit grown and now starting to be like, it is what it is, right? Many yeah. people do that. But for me, um, I had a, a simple, right? When I came in, I came a little bit older. I was coming in in my senior year of high school. And actually, I wouldn't say I ever faced any discrimination from like African-American or Afro-Caribbeans or anyone of our color. Mm-hmm. I never personally I didn't face any discrimination from them. They were really like welcoming. Most of them took me under their wings. So I, I don't know if it's because my school was a little bit more diverse or they maybe they were educated, but for them they were really into like learning more. Like everyone was more curious on what am I gonna talk to them about. Yes, there's those obvious questions like, oh, so um, did you see animals in the road? I'm like, no, I only saw a lion when I went to the park once in my life. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and then like, oh, what about, um, I, I, I think the comments that kept, they kept on pondering on me was mostly about dogs because I told them I'm straight up scared of dogs. Like, I can't come close to dogs. I can watch it from afar, but you know, in Africa, most of the dogs are for protections. You know, it's not for uh, what the emotional support like in America. 
you know? So when I would be like, oh, I'm scared of dogs, I'm be like, oh, is it because you were you used to be chased by all animals in Africa? I'm be like, ah, maybe, but not true, you know? Those are just stereotypes. Yep, they just yeah. follow what, you know, the, what they watch on TV instead of exactly. to educate themselves. But we can't blame them, though. That yeah. is what no, they no. Like my dad said, he said, you really, you know, you got to understand the history. They don't really know. He said they just exactly. go by what society tell them. So you're right, yeah. That was uh, Ami and Benita that was speaking, by the way. I just I just want people to, like, put a name to the voice again. So this is where the, what's wrong, where the difference is. I was born here, but I was raised the Nigerian way. That makes sense? Yeah. Um, so my outlook on life was, like, through African eyes. Like, I didn't go to school, like, what an American child is this? Like, when I come home, when my parents are speaking English to me, so when I go to school, it's, like, almost for me, my foreign country was my home school when i'm tall so when i go to school whatever it'd be like oh africans are really tall and um (laughs) obviously my last name um my last name is is oyewale but i would americanize it they're like how would you say it like oh yeah wale i'm like you know wale like the rapper that's my last name (laughs) he's like oh okay oh yeah wale and i'm like Great, you got it. Oh, dead. Oh yeah, Wale. That's fine. Yeah, like, my Facebook, <laughs> yeah. I think it's the, like when I was when I first created Facebook, that was how I spelled it. I was like, and so people yeah. are like, oh, what's up? Oh yeah, Wale. I'm like, hey, that's me. <laughs> but like now, it's like, no, you're gonna say it. Like you're not gonna. So it was like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a movie scratcher. You know how like in school, I don't know if you guys have issues in school. You'd be like, um, they'd say your first name, and you'd be like, before they finish your name, I would yeah, raise yeah, my hand. Yeah, like, yeah. Me here, me here, me here, me here, me me. <laughs> And for some reason, it's they they trying to do your full name. It's like they don't want to just like my my middle and last name. My, like okay, so my full name is Christina Christina Lakunoyawale. So like like that. But as soon as the teacher said crook, I would say, hey, I'm here, I'm here. <laughs> and they like I'm like, why do you need to say my middle name? Why do you just so then that's where nicknames started. Chrissy Tina. My first name is American. Why do you want you to have a chance? To get close to like what my name could be, my government, and then like in school because my last name for me was how people like decided that I was African, mm-hmm. like not mm-hmm. off of accent, not off of anything. It was just like, oh, your last name is African, African visa. Yeah. So when you eat at home, food, food, like no, like I actually <laughs> I eat rice and chicken, like you yeah, do. Right, I, yeah. I go to restaurants, like I'm not. And even with the knowledge of knowing that I was born here, yeah. it was still a you're associated with. African, so you must be, and that's actually the reason why that bullying was what made me so like into my culture. Like mm-hmm. you cannot tell me people like, are you? When I meet people, I say I'm Nigerian. I don't say I'm American. I I didn't live in America. <laughs> I don't know what you went through. I really don't. Because at home, yeah. the only American life I experienced was me going to school. True. All my friends are African. Growing up, you know what I mean. I didn't really in my neighborhood. I went to an African church. Uh yeah. the only thing that was American was my school. And then guess what? My school, rare, not rare, majority was Africans mm-hmm. and Hispanics. Yeah. I didn't have a, like, it was for, so I went to school and I was like, I'm talking to all my Nigerian friends. I'm talking, the minorities in my school were like Americans. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I didn't have that real world counter of like, I was a minority. No, we were the majority. Like, I've always been the majority wherever I've been. So it was like, church, all Nigerian. School, Nigerian, Sierra Leone, Ghana. It was all African. So in the hallway, we meet up. Like, yeah, people were flagged. So, like, my high school yeah. was literally, like, an African free-for-all. Like, everybody was free to be themselves. So, like, you went to school to rap. It, no, it was, I love her. I'm still, like, friends with everyone. Because, like, we were all, it was a clique. It was just one big African clique. So, like, the Americans at that time, we used to be like, what's that Caribbean song you listen to? What's the African song? That was when, like, it started becoming, like, a thing before it was a thing now. Uh, yeah. It's like, being African, everybody's like, I'm 2% African. So, I'm like, oh, you proud now? <laughs> I was the African booty statue, so you yeah, uh, too. So we together, yeah. cool. Hey, family, you know, welcome. And um, I just think they just shape because now I walk around. I I speak very English to my friends in public. I'll be on the phone. I'll be watching mm-hmm. videos. I probably can tell you in my phone. I barely listen to American music. I forget I'm American. I forget. I literally forget that I'm American. So someone's like, so my like FOB quote quote five friends would be like. You know you're American. I'm like, what are you talking about? We're we're the same. They were like, no, you were born here. I'm like, you're right. I I was born here. And then I'll do something. They're like, that's so American of you. I'm like, me? American? Why would you say that? I've never, you know, I don't know what that is. And they're like, you're, and I have to remember like, oh yeah, I, 
I am American. Like, I literally have an American citizenship. Like, I'm literally, like, that I don't personally associate myself because that's not the background or environment I grew up in. Like, I personally didn't experience racism because I was never in a predicament to be around it. You know, so, like, my bullying was just African. Like, I lived that. I, like, you would think that I came fresh off the boat, off of my experience. There's this one saying that goes like, you can take me out of Africa, but you cannot take African and me. So even if you're not in Africa, you're still African. You still live the African life. We call my cousins in Nigeria and they're like, how do you know? How did you get that before us? I'm like, you need to keep up. (laughs) And they're like, but you're in America. And I'm like, what does that mean? (laughs) Mentally, (laughs) spiritually, I'm not here. (laughs) I'm like, y'all are so American. They're like, you are. I'm like, no. That's what you think. Me, I was born there, and I just physically <laughs> came here. But it's definitely a um, different experience because to see my other friends that were actually born and came here, the mm-hmm. only difference in treating was they had an accent. Yeah, because both to to Americans, our last names were both African. It was just like mm-hmm. two African last names. It wasn't we weren't people. We just oh, this is some African last names. Y'all are African. So I was automatically in that category. But then it was off of hearing me and hearing them, and it's like. Why you sound like that? And it's like, what? and I can't hear it because you know I've been around this. I'm like, what are yeah. you talking about? They're like, you sound like you're you're from, and then it's just like that. I've heard you sound like you're from that state, Africa. I'm like, <laughs> I can't be mad at you if you think Africa is a state. There's yeah. no conversation to be had. Just, <laughs> you know what I mean, you you got it. Mm-hmm. I'm from that state, Africa. Yeah, and I actually drove to get there. Good drive. Good drive. <laughs> Pull yeah. over to the city of Ghana. Pull over to the city of Senegal. <laughs> and just we all my oh we're all related to. Nah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, they used to, yeah, <laughs> yeah, my brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah? look at us. Everybody wants to be us. Everyone wants to hear our um our music. Oh, Everyone wants to go to carnival. Everybody wants to just oh let me get a uh, a dash shake. Let me dress. Oh, you oh. like it? What? Now you are gone. I'm like wow. My skin. Oh, my skin. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. like, ooh, I'm like, wow, oh, it's so chocolate. I love it. I love it. I love being <laughs> chocolate. As you should. But before, it used to be like, I used to look at my hands and like, that's dark. Like, all my friends, I was like, y'all so light. Yo, daddy white? Nope. Okay. <laughs> and it was just like to my, I was like, okay, well, both of my parents are Nigerian, so I have to be dark skin. So I don't have a choice. Okay. And I was like, and you know, like, I'm not saying all African countries, but like, bleaching is a thing. So my yeah. mom, he's mm-hmm. bleached. Yeah. Yeah. I would see that. I'm like, I don't like the way that skin looks. But like, if I tried it, then I'm just like, you know what? I would never. And now, oh my gosh! Like, to even think about getting a tattoo, I'm like, oh, oh my skin is just. I don't want to change it. And like, that's actually the reason why like, I can't. Like, I'm just like, this is such a beauty, and people don't understand. Like, I wake up every day. I'm like, oh, I love being African. This is just. It's a blessing. It's an identity in itself that people don't know. We have culture. So many. Oh my gosh. What about you, Philomena? So I came here and I did high school, but like in terms of having any experience as to people calling me names, I don't recall any circumstances like that. And even people did, I I, I wasn't paying attention to those because maybe because I didn't know what the ratio or like the ethnic tension between like the Africans and the African-American here was, you know. So mm-hmm. I yeah. came in super naive in experience. And all I've been told is just focus on school. So, like, everything else didn't matter to me besides books and passing my classes. And fortunately for me, for the high school that I graduated from was very international. So you had people from everywhere. So it's, it was like New York City. So people were from, like, China, Japan, like, Grenada. Like, every country was in my high school, you know, so... Yeah. It didn't feel so bad. I feel like I bonded with so many people from different parts of the world and pretty much that's what New York City is based off. So in terms of like people making snide comments, you will hardly hear anybody talk shit about you because we are all different and it's very it it helped in a way that we felt like we were diverse and we wouldn't you know, like if anything you were more intrigued about getting to know somebody's culture. It was a whole good experience for me and I went to college and I was like Based on that background that I had, going back to that, I did not notice certain things because then again, it goes back to that first and go to class, get your grades and be out of here. So 
in terms of like experiencing anything, the mostly uh the thing that gets me the most would be people asking me where I'm from, you know, because in Ghana, everybody looks the same. Nobody cares where you're from because we are all from the same country. If anything yeah. is that you're from like Kumas or you're from Accra or you're from different parts of the country, not exactly like where are you from. So you see that they notice your accent. They want to know where you're from, but they will never guess yeah. any African country. They go like, you're English. And I'm like, no, I'm not. So it's like, where are you from? That is mostly the second question. Like, yeah. what do you want to do? I'm like, why do you care where I'm from? You know? So you ask me where I'm from, are you going to gauge where to like put me in terms of like, are you going to value me more as a person? Are you going to bring me down if you know where I'm from? So it's very, to this day, I don't know how to approach that question. So I mostly tell people I'm from everywhere. So I guess I was lucky in terms of me feeling discriminated against or me being felt like I was inferior or didn't feel like I was welcome in certain places. And I think it goes back to, the environment that I found myself in high school and college where I was lucky to be part of a very diverse uh, group of people back in college. So, and I got to like do a lot of things that gave me the exposure to be around this white folks, you know? So in terms of like, and I didn't see as like opportunity to like be liked by them or blending. I just saw as opportunity mm-hmm. to like, Oh, this is what you want to do and this is the opportunity. So you better like, you know, jump on it. So mostly my target in life is like, I know what my goal is and that's what I'm looking at. Everything else, like my peripheral, I'm not paying attention to that. I know the the aim is to get to A and I'm looking at A. Anything like the B, the C's, anything around that doesn't matter besides A, which is my goal. And to this day, like if I look back at it, I'm like, I am so glad I wasn't born here, you know, and I feel bad for my siblings. I say this to my mom all the time, like, don't give them so much freedom, you know, like treat them like you treated me back home. Don't give them so much freedom (laughs) to be able to, I know they were born here, but like still instill some of that values and that Mm -hmm. African, like the courtesy, like make them, I don't know, but like, it's very, I get it. Like she didn't have so many things growing up and here in America, everything is in abundance. So it's very difficult for her not to tell them not to have certain stuff. You know, it's like, okay, if this is there, you could just go ahead and grab it. I'm like, mom, no, that is not okay. And I feel bad for them going to high school when I'm not around because they're going to have a hard time adjusting to, like, the things that you guys are saying right now, you know, and I'm not going to be there. Nobody's going to be there to have their back. So it is scary that my uh, sibling will be going to high school school and I don't know how she's, she'll be able to cope, you know. So it's it's very it is different, and I want to be able to help them, like in terms of like the upbringing that I had. But it's it's very hard to be able to do that. I actually, uh, I was talking to well, Benita was talking. Well, she texted me earlier about uh <laughs> about bride bride prices, right? So she she gave me some new information about bride prices that I was not aware of. But so before we before we touch on that. What is what is you guys' bride price? Like how and just how do you feel about that overall? <laughs> Honestly, I don't feel like you could put a specific price on it, but it's just like, look, if you're coming, come correct. Show that like I'm not saying like go broke for me, but you show me that like like I'm worth it. Where I can be like like I you even shocked me that you brought that much out for me, but like. Mm, I can't really tell you, but you should know. You know, like you should know, but I'm priceless. But you should still know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I feel like it's, can you put a price on it? I don't feel like you can really be like, I'm worth this specific amount, and you should bring all these things for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, by the way, like uh, bride price is like well, my well, the definition I had, which is a little bit wrong, but amount of money, or land, or whatever material object that uh the groom or the groom's family has to has to bring to the to the bride to be's family. But yeah. I was corrected today. <laughs> and apparently that uh it says that women also pay a bride price, which I uh, no correction on that. Women pay dowry. <laughs> Men pay bride price. Apparently that is the, the two definition. So so what would you say is your, your bride price? Actually Based on the culture, bride price was like a gift of to- of token that a 
Agron's family or Agron himself will decide to give to the bride's family as a, as a kind of a token of appreciation appreciation for like raising their their daughter well. And most of it, it wasn't cash. Let's say before colonial era, it was either um, some people would give like some form of food, uh, some a piece of cloth or cows, depending on what tribe you're from. Personally, in my culture, I just learned like majority of them used to give like one cow or they um, they also bring other things, usually like alcohol. Um, they'll bring like other type of food, like bananas and all things, just to give us a, a, a way, a kind of way to say thank you to your uh, mother-in-law, your father-in-law, and your family. But this really vary across the board. Even in one country, each tribe has its way of asking for a bread price. But now, after like colonial era, most of them has become like money funded, you know. So, but you are asked according to what you have most of the time. So, if if your bride's family know that you don't have enough money, they might ask you for as much as a hundred dollars. But the question is, how many people in Africa can afford a uh, hundred dollars? You know. Because I was seeing that. But other families, you might end up spending like 10000 20000 depending on how much wealth you have. Yeah. Mm. I mean, and Philomena, like, um, what is your bride price? And like, or how do you feel about that? Or what do you think about it? It kind of like in Mali, it goes by like um, the village and like the culture they're from. So I was mm-hmm. thinking like for my older sister, when she got married, unfortunately, she was in, in a arranged marriage. So she married a man, like, from a different village. But um, the way it happened was, you know, he had to come to my parents. Well, she had a different father. So her father is still in Mali. My mom is here. So she had to go. He, the husband, had to go to my mother and ask her, you know, if she would want something or, you know, he wanted to take my sister's hand in marriage. And, you know, what would my mother want in exchange for that? And, I mean, I don't like that process. I'm not for arranged marriage. But... It always, you know, it's like what um, Bethanina said, you know, you have to either, you know, do a sacrifice so it can be a happy marriage. So you send money back home and they have to do, I don't know the English name, but they call it like a watercla. They do it back in Mali and they also do it here in uh, America. So, you know, make sure like the bride is like pure for her husband. And then they, but it has, the husband has to put a lot of money down, like a lot. So he has to like basically provide everything, pay for the parents and the mother mm-hmm. to accept him and be and say, okay, he is you know, worthy of her and he can afford to take care of her. And then that's it. So I think, I don't know if that really answered the question, but I think it has to do with, you know, either the husband's side or the woman, but it's the same way. Like if the female, the, if the woman wants to marry a man, then sometimes the woman would have to put money in in order to marry the husband. but. Most of the time, especially in Mali, is always the husband. Like, okay, I want this girl. And then he has to put a lot of money to cover everything. And then that's how it works from there. I mean, so basically what I'm hearing right now is that you guys are priceless. There's no... Oh, obviously. It's true. And I feel bad. Like, in Mali, they make it clear. It's a man's world. They make it clear. <laughs> they make it clear of that. It's a man's world, especially in the Islamic religion. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. the man is always everything. So... Yeah. It's like, okay, you be quiet, but the man is talking. Or, okay, well, he's a man, so there's exceptions to that. And right. that's just how it is. Unfortunately, it is like that. How about you, Philomena? I, I can't say, because it, it's been a while since I've been back in Ghana. I, I can't speak to what's going on there. And that is something that I think I should get back to, you know, because I feel like since I've been here, I've lost touch a little bit with what's going on down there, besides calling my family back home and chatting with them i exactly don't know what's going on back at home so i can't speak to whether things has changed for the last decade since i've been here or things are still the same but i know for my family specifically i don't think my parents will require you to bring anything to them to sort of like solidify the whole marriage ceremony or the requirements to be able to ask for my hand in marriage so Mm -hmm. actually i was speaking to my best friend from ghana um 
So the bride price still goes the same. As I said, it depends on how much you owe, you have and how much you're willing to give to your room, to your bride's family. But apparently, mostly you have to buy like the kente pot for the mother and the father and the brothers of the bride. And then you also bring like little small tokens. Um, if not, then you have to pay some, uh, depending, you can pay money. But I also read somewhere saying that sometimes the fam, the bride, the bride's family can ask, uh, things such as like phones, iPads, laptop, depending on what they want. So mm -hmm. it, it really depends on the family now. I actually wanted to go back a little bit to what, um, Hami was saying about, well, Hami, not, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do that here, but about the arranged marriages, I was reading an article on the Human Rights, Human Rights Watch mm. uh, website. This author, uh, Agnes, she wrote an article about arranged marriages. So what she does is she goes around the different countries in Africa and interviews um, people who are in arranged marriages and, um, I guess, tries to understand like what is going on like how they feel about it now as opposed to like before. So in the article, she writes about this 12-year-old 12, 12 girl who's married to a 17-year-old guy, which is sick, by the way, because that's really, that's a kid with a grown-ass man. But but um, what the girl was saying was like, um, she figured it was going to, it's going to be like kind of like a love story kind of thing. And uh, she was going to escape poverty from doing that. But now that she was in the marriage, like she was still experiencing poverty and then she was being abused on top of that. So Agnes just goes on to say like, this is like a similar story that happens to like all those like poor young girls that yeah. get into stuff like that. And some of them were kind of like arranged by the parents because of course it's like financial gain kind of thing, you know, because it's kind of like you groomed your, your kid to marry them away know for price but side mm -hmm. note like yes this happens everywhere so we're going to acknowledge that happens everywhere that's definitely terrible but i just more so wanted to look at look at it from like uh from what's happening from it happening in africa and um in the article she has like uh she has some stats about like arranged marriages in africa so i'm just gonna read them a little bit um, in sub-Saharan Africa, about one in four girls marry before the age of 18. African nations account for 17 of 20 countries with the highest rate of child marriages globally. That's insane. Um, and then 76% of, of girls in Niger and close to 70% of girls in Central African Republic and Chad marry before they turn 18. And then in Malawi, one in every two girls marry before the age of 18. Because, like, that became, like, normalized in Africa, which is, like, which is pretty, it's pretty sick. Everything, everything in Africa is all about money. Like, you literally could get, you could get anything you want with money. And um, child marriages has become, like, a big, big thing. I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like something like that could, there's potential for it to be solved. But I don't think it's as important as a lot of the African leaders. Because probably, you know, probably they're doing the same. <laughs> you know how African politics go. Yeah. Never talk about that. <laughs> no, it's so true and it's so unfortunate because I was also reading other uh, articles because this is really prevalent, especially in the villages where people, of course, don't have like money and they also lack education to understand the true value of marriage and why you should not be uh, sending your child who is less than, I would say, 21, you know, into a marriage, you know. Unless 18, if they want to, you know, yes. But even like, you should be really talking to your child below 21 if they want to get married. Like, make, make sure that they understand what they are getting themselves into. But the fact that, um, some Africans are really, really deep into this, um, tradition, I would say it's becoming like a tradition of like marrying off their children when they are young, um, so that they can be able to afford um, the living expenses, then you might as well not consider not to have the child, you know? Um, and also, uh, I, I saw you just mentioned even some government people are involved in those cases. 
because I, I think I was reading one of the recent published paper. It was sh showing about this girl. She's she's still young and she's like um, her family was putting her up for like a bread price competition to see like who can pay the most. And I think one of the uh, this is from South Sudan, by the way. I think one of their deputy governor was one of the competitors, you know. And um, I just also read saying that um, in there is a Dinka family, uh, Dinka tribe in South Sudan, and their bread price in the law, like a written law saying like the bread price can go from seventy to two hundred fifty cows, you know. Uh, so if if your child is getting an eight, uh, 12, 15, 18, that's where most of the family are like hungry for the money, hungry for the cows, you know. So um, they will put you up. Whoever can pay the most will be the one that takes you, even if you don't love them. And majority of guys are always into like refuge, you know, trying to run away because most of the time, as you mentioned, when you get, sold uh for the bride price sometimes your husband tends to be uh over controlling and all with escape because they know like there's no way you're gonna go back to your family um and your family is gonna be willing to give back those 250 cows that they just paid you know um it's really so unfortunate but it's something that is actually like a big problem in some parts of africa that's pretty yeah that's actually very sad just to think about, like, imagine having a having a kid, daughter, or or like a boy, because I'm I'm sure I'm sure it happens mm -hmm. to boys too. Imagine just putting up your kid for like a competition like that, like, bro. Nah, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's sick to me. Like, no, nah, you know, I pray, I pray, I never encounter something like that ever. But I don't know. We need to get to get off this sad topic because <laughs> I'm. <laughs> <laughs> But now let's let's go back to the to the um to the bright price and the diary because I know you need to mention like like girls also pay. Yeah. I don't know. I was thinking. I was thinking about myself. I'm, if I had somebody that was pursuing that mutual mutual interest, you know, like I think I'll be very expensive. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> so now you're selling yourself. <laughs> no, no, yeah. But this this is just me. Like, look. But I feel like at this point where we're both invested in this, right? It's like, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna get married, right? So I'm like, I gotta I gotta put a price on me. Like, my family has to eat, so you know. But it's, it's not like I'm I'm selling myself really, because like I already already chose this this young lady, right? So if she could afford me, then yeah, let's see. Why so not? in the reverse role, you're saying, let's say, how much would you put, let's just explore this. How much would you put yourself for? Oh, me? Because <laughs> <laughs> you can come up with a price. Let's a hear price. that. I don't know. Probably, you know, I'll say, we're probably talking like a couple of cows, a couple of, a couple of goats, um, some cassava leaves, uh, some palm oil, mm. some rice. Especially cassava leaf, because you can make, you could do a lot. That's cassava true. true. You but you're lot. not only, I think, Congolese and Rwandese people, maybe Rwandian who eat cassava leaves. It's so weird. Yeah, I think so. But you yeah. could do a lot. Yeah, <laughs> you know? So I need to make sure everybody, everybody can eat. And, um, so if you flip the table, though, will, now you are talking to a girl, you're ready to get married. Are you willing to pay that same things that you think you're going to put yourself for? <laughs> you're not you gotta be realistic no no no. Realistic. no i think no 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 i wouldn't the thing is i don't think i would um i would be shocked at first like damn <laughs> like they try to get me for my money they don't know i just love <laughs> water like love love wins everything right but but i think i think i'll, I'll be able to i will understand i'll find a way to pay like everything because like obviously I, I don't know to me i always thought of it like um Outside of like the the negative stuff that yeah. connotation it has to, around it, to me it's always been like I guess the the bride's family wants to see like are you going to be able to provide for her? Already they took they took care of her, you know, from when she was a baby until now. So mm -hmm. now we want to see like if we marry her off to somebody, are they going to mm -hmm. be able to 
continue taking care of her and provide yeah. help her like and provide like I guess the the same things that she was kind of used to. Yeah, that's, that's how I always viewed it in my head. You know, but there's a lot of negative negative connotation that also comes with that because you have you have some families that probably like like we just talked about. You know, they probably see it like a financial gain, so mm-hmm. they could be like, "Oh, these two are in love now. Now I'm gonna make them pay." <laughs> you gonna pay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Stop working, like stuff like that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> No, some people used to just uh, look for the daughters to um, um, just to get money, you know, as mm-hmm. this is my future investment. But yeah. also it's crazy because um, some some brothers, right, used to be there and be like, yo, you need to get married so that your husband can pay. When you pay, when, when he pays, then I'm going to use what he pays for me to pay for my bride. You know, it used to be crazy oh, like that. That's crazy. <laughs> but true on the fact that some girls now pay right mm-hmm. um don't worry according what i've heard from like my asian friends and also like reading from like online mm-hmm. some parts of asia they pay dowries that is where a girl pays to the grown spine mostly like golds or some some, some kind of like uh, jewelries, you know, usually like they give like goals, something like that, money, depending. But also, I read, uh, surprisingly, that in, um, some parts of Africa, including my, my, fa- including my country, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the girls end up paying. And this has become as an issue of, um, if a guy cannot afford, right? Yeah. Then a girl will be the one to decide and be like, you know what, you can't afford this. I have this money. Here's the money. We buy the things that uh my family would like, and then you're gonna take it, you know? So nope. in the end, you're kind of like paying your own dowries, I okay. mean your own price, you know? Right, but, or but, the girl will just raise all the money, yeah. all of it, and just give it to you and be like, you decide what you, you, you buy for my family. But but is is the problem that has come apparently because in some places they believe girl uh women women number has outnumbered the men. So mm. the fear of I'm gonna be alone. No, nah, I can't be alone forever. Oh. So they will reach out to the guy, they like each other and be like, you know what? I hope you pay. I'm gonna pay. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you pay. What country so, is this? Are we talking about Rwanda? Yeah, I I, I was so sure. I was so like, this so that's no where way. I have to go. That's where I have to go in order to get somebody to pay for me. <laughs> so you're willing for the girl to pay, huh? Nah, nah. I mean, that's that's not a that's not a bad thought, though, right? Like, <laughs> like if if that's the place where there's a fear of like I'm not gonna get married, then like <laughs> why not? Why not? I feel. I mean, the idea though, of like um, you know, the girl. Outside of like the the whole fear thing, but I think the idea of like the girl helping the guy if he doesn't have like enough, mm-hmm. I think I think that's I think that's cool. I think I think that works. But I don't yeah. know. I feel like it's good, but then it's bad because like it kind of puts everybody in like a financial situation. So because as soon as you get married, then you guys are already down bad because <laughs> you don't got you don't got the money like that no more. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but isn't it crazy though? But most of the time, um. Sometimes girls end up like marrying without dowries being paid. I mean, bride price or dowries being paid. If your family, like the two families, agrees, most of the time you don't pay nothing, or you pay just a little, or most of the time you pay the price so that that price can be used by the bride's family to actually like prepare the wedding. Because majority of the time, when it's like traditional wedding, the wedding takes place in the girl's place. So they're the one in charge of organizing the party and all. So you, your bride price end up like also contributing to that, like cost of the party itself and other things that girls have to bring. Because even in marriage, sometimes like in my, in my country, when I, when I was reading, I saw most of the time, it, you know, like usually a groom is expected to have the one to, to be the one to provide the housing, the shelter, right? But the girls expected to bring most of the things to furnish the house itself, you know? 
So if um if we look culturally, like most of the girls didn't go to school, they didn't or they didn't go to school, they didn't work, they didn't have that finances, you know. So if you pray, if you paying the bride price, that's the price that is she's gonna use to buy the things to furnish your house. So it's kind of like a recycle money, I would say sometimes. I mean, so no, no, the solution is let women educate themselves. Africa, that's the biggest that's problem. Very, very big problem because you know guys are idiots and that's that's how they think. It's like I'm gonna go to a place where people are not as educated and I'm I'm gonna try to pull a fast one over them. I don't know. That's (laughs) terrible. But but I think would you prefer somebody who is able to bring whatever bright uh, price that you want to the table but cannot take off your daughter? in so many years to come, you know. So we are thinking about right now in this very moment, if you mm. want to get married, I need a bit, like, I need a list of things from you, right? Mm. He's probably going to go, like, get a loan or get money from somewhere to be able to mm-hmm. uh, uh, purchase or afford this stuff. So mm. once that is over and you do get married to this person, thinking that, oh, because he was able to afford all the things that your parents wanted, he should be able to take care of you, right? But you're not, you're going into this long life with this person and they don't have anything that goes back to what Amy just said. Like, yeah. if that's what you're looking for, you should not just, parents or families should not just want the bride price just to say like, this person was able to get you stuff. Make sure this person is like financially sound in, to some extent, you know. But like um, with stuff like that, if you are able to like pay that bride price, because now now you have like you feel like you have this ownership over over the girl, because now it's like you know like I, it's the idea of like I I own you kind of thing, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like oh I I pay for you, I provide for you, so now you gotta you gotta do whatever like I tell you to. Yeah, but that is a wrong perception though, because usually um I mean it's a wrong perception, but it's widely practiced, you know. Yeah. But usually yeah. the bride price is not like I own you. It's not supposed to be like I own you. It's mostly like, okay, right. let me appreciate or yeah. let me help you like with the wedding thing. But that perception is also like, yeah, is there. Like that's why they ask according to like how much can you afford based on your economic status, you know? And another thing though, like we need to talk about is how like the girl in some parts, um, the girls' bride price increases with their education level, and in other parts, the bride price decreases with their education level. Isn't that weird? Mm-hmm. So, um, majority of the places they say like, "Oh, if a girl is educated, that means the family has invested more in, you know." So right. the prices goes up. But in some parts that I was reading, it was like, if they're too cultured, they'll be like, "If you're educated, that means." You're diluted on your cultures and your thinking and also like they'll be like, ah, we need that true culture guys. We're gonna pay more for the uneducated one as compared to the one who is educated. <laughs> <laughs> no, Af- Africans are crazy, cause what? <laughs> yeah. That is so that is so crazy because cause it will make it will make sense that yes, if she's educated, obviously the bride price would be more. And I feel like that just comes down to like manipulation. Cause like if you have somebody that's not as educated or like does not know about what's going on or like anything, then you could like easily manipulate them. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. That's not, that's not in Rwanda, right? No, that is not. <laughs> <laughs> no, in Rwanda though is education. The more you're educated, the, the higher they're gonna, they have to pay. I mean, they should play. It's not like they, they have to pay. They should. But right. yeah. No, yeah, no, I was just making sure because, you know, you know, Rwanda's right there. My quick <laughs> like, stop. You know, I should have done more research about your country, man. I should. Oh, uh, Congo? Nah. Yeah, I should. <laughs> nah. No, nah, I think, I don't know. I think, I, I I guess from from what I know, I don't know. It's probably, it's probably the same. I feel like a lot of like the, a lot of the cultures in the different countries are like very, very similar. Like probably 9.9 times out of 10. I guess what I just found, apparently the model price payment between $250 to $500 for the bride <laughs> price of Congo. <laughs> Do you know how expensive that is? <laughs> I know! How many people can afford a dollar? I think That's, these are the yeah. expensive 
But one thing the Congolese people like to show, so I would see them no, yeah. doing what we actually said, paying and then going and living in poverty for the next five years. <laughs> <laughs> First off, that is false news. That is fake. You're <laughs> 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 putting a bad name. People are going to listen to this and think, I think this is how my life is going to end up. That is wild. But, um, I definitely appreciate you guys like coming here tonight, talking to me, because uh, you know it's Christmas Eve, New Year's around the corner. We we'll finally get to get yeah. out of 2020, which is a nightmare, but we made it. So that's that's good. We have our health. That's what's important. And um, but yeah, I have uh, I have some bills to pay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have some bills to pay. <laughs> I do. I do have bills to pay. I have bills to pay. Um. I definitely, I definitely um look forward to having you guys back on here. Definitely, definitely. You guys are way better guests than the first guests I had on here. Um, oh, thank you. Nah. I bet, I bet <laughs> that's what you told them, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's only because like people were asking for for women. They didn't really care too much about like what guys had to say because you know we live in an era where guys ain't shit. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. Before we get out of here, though. Uh, I wanted to do our song of the day. And um song of the day is coming out of Ghana. So shout out to you, Philomena. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank song you. I don't know. I don't think I know this song, but thank you. No, you probably do. It's uh, African Girl by Quasi Arthur and Shata Wale. But make sure you guys make sure you guys uh tune in for the next episode, uh where we're gonna talk about corporal punishment. Well wait, I have a question. So I don't think I have access to the podcast. Like I don't have nothing actually you can find us only on spotify and apple oh, yeah i don't have spotify oh you have apple podcasts oh you have apple oh yeah i have apple yeah, yeah. What, what's the name again next stop africa oh yeah yeah no i should i should do this at the beginning of the show you guys are not even paying attention remember, you you text me a quarter past the start time remember <laughs> i didn't get a link and when you text me i said okay so i was expecting a link like the first time and i said oh maybe it's canceled okay thank you <laughs> <laughs> but not yet i got it yeah, <laughs> yeah this this is definitely not making a podcast. I hope you know that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Until next time, though. Peace. <laughs>